Well, in just a moment, the ushers are at, are going to come and receive our tithes and offering. If you brought a gift you wanted to give to God, you can prepare that. Also, on the tear-off tab uh, of the bulletin, there's a place there I forgot to make mention of that in J- January we challenged the church to lose 1,000 pounds. How much have you lost so far? And so if you were part of that challenge, would you just update us, keep ourselves accountable to one another? And uh, you don't even have to put your name on it, but that way we can kind of see where we're at in that in that particular challenge and just drop this in during the offering as it comes. The ushers will come right now to receive that. Today we're starting a new series on prayer, and I love praying. I love prayer. Uh, Two things I want you to know about me and my prayer life. One is that um, I look at prayer as a relationship, a relationship that we have with God. And it's not just about checking a box or trying to be religious or having great, amazingly flowery-sounding prayers. It's about a heartfelt connection with God. And, and a relationship that's growing and developing, and not just where we talk, but where we listen, right? So we're spending that time with him, and I love to pray. I, I love that. But I want you to know something else about me. I don't always pray when I ought to. I forget to pray. Often I get too busy, and I don't feel like I have time to pray. I'm, I'm sad to admit to you, but there are times, there, not every day, but there are times when I'll in bed, when I wake up, grab my phone, my iPhone and look at emails. And I'll start my day that way. And then I'll roll out of bed and go and do 12 or 13 hours worth of meetings back to back, go home and just crumple down in a heap in, in exhaustion and go to sleep. And I just, sometimes I just forget to pray. Now I bet I'm the only one here because you guys probably are all amazing prayer people. But I love praying, but I don't always pray when maybe I ought to, and I forget to pray. And and it sounds good sometimes when you hear about a person who works really hard and all of that, and I know so many of you, same deal, lots of people need something from you, and you're working hard, and you're traveling, and you're doing stuff. Uh, But you know, one of the things as you pull back the veil to that, that I found in my own life, is that it reveals a lack of trust a lack of trust, uh, and a misunderstanding that to get things done, it's all up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. It's that little puny trinity of me, myself, and I, rather than a trust in the God who can move mountains and wants to be a part of my life, wants to be a part of those daily decisions and those those moment-by-moment stresses and anxieties and worries, and that the Holy Spirit wants to be a part of that stuff, wants to wants to help me be successful, wants to help me manage my time, wants to help me make good decisions, wants to, wants to do those things and is waiting for me to ask and to come and relate and spend time with him. See, there are some things God will do just because he's God, right? 
He's just going to do them, whether you pray or not, whether I pray or not. There are some things God is just going to do. And then there are some things God will only do when we pray. And here's the mystery. I don't know the difference, nor do you. There are some things he'll do without you praying. There are some things he'll only do if you pray. And he doesn't tell us which is which. So it means that I've got to just be in prayer over everything. Or else I'm leaving a lot of unanswered things on the table that would have been answered. I'm leaving a lot of things that God would have done that he will not do. Does that make sense? So, so God wants us to pray. He invites us to pray. Does he need us to pray in order to do things? No. He will do some things without us ever praying. But some things he'll only do when we pray. And he invites us into that relationship with himself. Jesus understood what it was like to be busy. He understood what it was like to be stressed. I mean, there were always people trying to trap Jesus, right? And everything he said so they could arrest him. How would you like to go through all of your days having to watch every single thing you said? Or someone would grab hold of it and say, you, you said something wrong, now you're going to die. I mean, there's some stress behind that. There was one time when, when a, a little city, actually it was his hometown, almost threw him over a cliff. I mean, people didn't always love Jesus. There were people who hated him, disliked him, always trying to trip him up. There were people who needed things from him all of the time. He was healing people, casting out demons. And so people were always clamoring to get a piece of him. Jesus was not a monk. He didn't spend all of his days in a monastery. He was with people in the midst of of brokenness under a heavy demand of a schedule. And he understood the things that we go through. You look at Mark chapter 1. And just in that one chapter, you see all of the things that Jesus is doing. He's be, he, he comes out of the desert where he was tested for 40 days. He chooses his disciples. He begins to relate to these new rough uh, and tough men. And, and then he begins to prepare Bible studies. And he goes into Capernaum where he teaches in the synagogue. And in the middle of his church service, he's preaching uh, a message. Somebody stands up with a demon and just starts calling him out and railing on him. Who do you think you are? I know who you are. You are the son of God. You're the holy one. And Jesus casts the demon out and some visitors leave. You know, people are freaking out. Jesus understood these things. And then right from there, he goes over to his friend's house. One of his new disciples, his mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her and she began then to wait on them. That evening, that very same evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out the demons. It was dark. Jesus was tired. He had already put in a full day's work. He's tired. He's been with people. He wants to pop open his favorite beverage and kick his feet up. And at the door as a knock, he goes, opens the door, and it's the whole town. 1,500 people wanting to be healed, wanting to be touched, wanting Jesus to cast out a demon, wanting something from him. And he doesn't shut the door. He ministers to them. He talks to them. He prays with them. He blesses them. He heals them. He casts out demons. And then he goes to sleep. 
And then the very next morning, it says in verse 35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, when I would still have the covers over my head, he departed and he went out to a desolate place where he prayed. And Simon and those who were searching for him found him. And they didn't, oh, we didn't mean to interrupt your prayer time, Jesus. No, they didn't do that. They said, everyone's looking for you. What are you doing? Praying. And he said, all right, let's go. Let's go to the next town that I might preach there also, for this is why I came. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons. Jesus was busy. Jesus had a lot of people who wanted a piece of him. And some of you know exactly what that's like. If you have a bunch of kids, you know what it's like, don't you? Carting the kids from pillar to post, event to event, all the functions, all the things, all the people that need something from you, all the work that needs to be done at home and at at the office and with the kids. And we get so busy, it's hard sometimes to prioritize prayer. And yet we see Jesus doing that. You go, yeah, he was God. He's God. He was completely man as well. He was tempted in all things, just like we are yet without sin. Jesus understood and experienced stress, anxiety, worry. Jesus experienced what it was like to have demands where, to the point he was exhausted. And he modeled what it was like for us. It's one of the reasons he came, to model what it would be like for a human being to commune day by day in the midst of busyness, in the midst of stress, day by day, this relationship with the Father filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed that. And he experienced that and he modeled that for us. And prayer for him became his first response, not his last resort. What if that was true of us? Where prayer became your first response rather than your last resort. The Apostle Paul said this to a young leader by the name of Timothy in 1 Timothy. said, the first thing I want you to do is pray. And then it goes on to talk about praying. Praying for others and praying for government officials and praying just for society and praying for our community. And, but it says, the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray first. Can you remember that? Write that down maybe somewhere. Pray first. See, our, in our culture, in our society, prayer is pretty well embraced by probably 80, 90% of people. It's not something that people would go, oh, that's horrible. You pray. No, prayer is something fairly well embraced as a kind of a last resort type thing. You know, gosh, I've done everything I know to do. Now I guess all there is to do is pray. What a defeatist mentality. I've done everything I know to do. And now, right before I give up all hope, I guess I'll throw a Hail Mary pass and pray. Who knows what might happen? Has it come to that? You ever ask someone to pray for them and they go, oh my gosh, has it come to that? Is it that bad? (laughs) See, the point is, don't make prayer this SOS, last resort. I've tried everything I know to do. Now I guess I have nothing else to do but pray. God cares about your success. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to help us make better decisions. Give us wisdom 
Fill us with creativity. Show us how to resolve conflicts. He wants us to be able to listen to the heart of our kids, to hear what they're actually saying from their heart. How many more miracles, big and small, would happen if we just invited the Holy Spirit to be a part of our every single day life in all of its mundaneness, in all of its sameness, and in all of, it, all of its stress, in all of its busyness, if we invited God to walk us through each day, to give us what we needed, to understand that he had resources to share with us, that he was waiting on us to ask for. See, we're in a battle. Life is a battle. And that battle is not with people. We think it is. We often feel that it is. But the scripture teaches us in Ephesians 6, we are not fighting against humans. It's not flesh and blood. We are fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. I mean, we've got to peel back the layers of, of, of just the worldliness that we often look through that lens of just what we see and taste and smell and can measure. And, and, and God is saying, no, peel it back. There's, there's a spiritual battle going on to take you down, to separate your marriage, to, to lead your kids into addictions. There's a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. And he wants us to look and be aware and engage and dress for battle. See, prayer has two big wins. One is for you. One is for you. One is for me. I mean, I'm thankful for that, that when we pray, God brings his peace. There's a peace that comes through prayer. Apostle Paul said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for his answers. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. I I need that. I need that. He said that when you and I learn to pray, when we learn to pour our heart out to God, listen for his voice, be filled with the wisdom he gives us, that there'll be a peace that comes over us and uh, that peace can pass a human understanding. In other words, there's no reason to have the peace because things maybe aren't all cleared up yet. Maybe things are even getting worse for a little while. And yet there's a rest, there's a peace, there's a quiet peace that passes human understanding. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Worry plagues us, doesn't it? I mean, worry is nothing more than me trying to be in control of something I cannot control. You know, you can't control a lot of things. You can't make someone love you. You can't make someone make good choices. You can't make someone have good character. You can't make someone not make a mistake. You can't control a lot of things in this life. And yet when we worry about them, we think if I just focus my worry on that, it will change it. No, it won't. All it does is stress you out and desensitize you to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And and peace becomes very elusive at that point. What if every time we worried, it was like a warning light in our car? They call them dummy lights. But if a, a warning light in our car went off, 
Every time we worried, and it reminded you to pray. That when we worry, because we're going to worry. Worry is part of our human existence. But he's saying, turn that worry into a prayer. What if every time we worried, we prayed? Man, we'd be praying a lot, wouldn't we? We'd be praying a whole lot. And what would happen is God's peace would rule and reign in our hearts. We were going to take a trip. Well, we did take a trip, actually, about uh, eight or nine days ago. We went down south of Cuba where it's really warm in turquoise waters. And I know some of you are mad at me already. (laughs) But my dad brought us down there. And so we had our tickets purchased months in advance. Well, the night before we were supposed to go, late at night, supposed to go, we're in the midst of packing. Everything got canceled because Atlanta had this huge snowstorm blow through. It was a crisis. There was a city alert. Um, you know, people sleeping in their cars and stranded at the airport. They canceled all these flights. Well, our flight got canceled, and I could not find a way to reschedule it. Finally, after praying, my dad called and helped us figure out how to turn it over or go through North Carolina. We had to get up early in the morning, take the flight, but the same storm that hit Atlanta is going to, to Charlotte, North Carolina. And so we had to make that decision We're going to fly right into the eye of the storm. It's all over the news, everything. People sleeping in airports. We're thinking, do we really want to risk that? Sleeping in an airport, being stranded for a couple days. We're already in a cold place. We don't need to go to Atlanta or Charlotte to experience cold. And as we prayed about it, we just felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, be at peace. Just go for it. And I'll I'll walk with you in this adventure. He didn't tell us it would work out perfectly. Just said, go for it. And so we went for it. And we got in and we got out just in the nick of time before the storm hit. And we made it. And we had fun. <laughs> See, sometimes God's, sometimes, sometimes God's peace comes in the midst of, of stress and trials and unknowns. God cares about the details of your life, not just the big stuff. There's nothing too small or too insignificant that he doesn't care about. He wants us to pray. But prayer also brings God's power, power in our lives. And we get to experience God's power flowing through us to others. See, there is no power shortage in heaven. And yet scripture teaches that God's power flows primarily through praying people. That's how it flows. God's power to change circumstances, to change relationships. See, it's God who changes people health issues, financial difficulties, ministry problems, difficulties, dilemmas, discouragements. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. In other words, sometimes the only thing holding back the dam, this release of God's power into your life and your situation might just be prayer. Prayer. Maybe even one single prayer or maybe a lot of prayer extended over a long period of time. Heaven's power can flow to us when we pray. We moved into our house. Um, This has been a while. I shared this story once, but I love this story. We moved into our house, and there was this huge blue spruce tree blocking, kind of right in front of our front window, blocking our view. A little view if that one big tree wasn't there. And it was huge. It must have been growing there for 100 years. It was like 30 feet tall. It was probably 25 feet in 
in a circumference. It was a huge mango tree. We just thought, man, if it just wasn't there, bummer, 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 bummer. And we're worrying, stressing, just bummed about it. And finally, we're sitting on the deck, and, and I thought, you know, Jesus did say, just ask. Whatever you ask, you know, I could do. If you even have the faith of a mustard seed, you know, you can move a mountain. Maybe you can move a blue spruce tree. I don't know. We held hands. This is a true story. We hold hands. We pray. Lord, just move this dumb tree. And we're just thinking, you know, maybe he's going to give us the money for it. We got a quote. It was 600 bucks. We didn't have $600. And we're just praying, mainly probably thinking the money, you know. And we got done praying, and we were just sitting there chatting, drinking some iced tea. And we look out, and I said, Tisa, I think the top of the tree is on fire right now. And she's like, no, it's not. And then she looked, and she's like, yeah, there's a stream of smoke, just this little stream of smoke coming off the top of this massive blue spruce tree from my house. I'm like, it's definitely on fire. There's smoke coming off it. And then it went to complete panic. Like, the thing's going to catch on fire and burn our house down. Quick, let's call 911. I called 911. They're like, sir, you're calling the wrong people. Call Avista. I'm like, ah. I forgot to get the number from him. So I look up the number to Avista. Meanwhile, the tree is starting to catch on fire. And I call Avista because, see, the, there was something that arced between the power line and the tree that must have created something that caught the top of the tree on fire. And the tree's burning out in front of my yard. And I call Avista, and they come out like in 45 minutes or an hour. They cut the tree down. This is like one hour after we prayed, cut it to the ground. They chipped it up. They had guys out there with little dust pants cleaning up all the dust. You look out the window, in two hours, the whole tree is gone. It's amazing. And I know there are a few skeptics here that go, that was just a really odd coincidence. No, that's God's power in prayer. I have no idea. Sometimes it happens in in, in dramatic ways. Sometimes it's just over the long haul of our life as we train our eyes to see God at work. We see it. It can be just through God giving us wisdom, God giving us creativity, God helping us solve a problem, God diffusing a conflict, God's power coming in enduring in a difficult marriage. God's power is unleashed in and through praying people all of the time, in big ways, in small ways. And there's nothing too big that God's power cannot touch, and there is nothing too small that God's heart does not care about. Nothing is too hard for God. Where is it that you need to see His power? Where is it that you need to experience God's peace? God wants to encourage us to pray. And we feel we're just too busy. I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy. We're missing out if we don't build prayer into our everyday life and learn to pray as our first response rather than our last resort. He leads us into prayer. You think, I'm so busy, I can't do that. I can't. That's one more thing you're laying on me. And it's like, what if we began to pray and God showed us certain things we should stop doing? Because we've overcommitted our life. 
Maybe we took on commitments that we never prayed about. We just did them. And we just said yes too many times, got too many things going. And maybe, just maybe, if we prayed, God would begin to show us how to live a more doable life, a more abundant life, one that had commitments that we could actually fulfill and keep up with. See, prayer doesn't get in the way. It's not one more thing. Prayer is is us getting into God's presence regularly where God's wisdom starts to flow through our life and he shows us how to lead a more doable, more abundant life. We're so busy, we need to be praying. We cannot not pray. Lord, help us to pray. Lord, we just commit to you right now. Lord, we want to change the way we think about prayer. We want to see it as a privilege. We want to see it as a relationship that's being built. Lord God, we want to see the power of God work through our lives in big and small ways. Lord, nothing is too hard for you to do. Nothing is too big for your power to not touch or too small for your heart to not care about. Lord, would you teach us to pray and fill us, Lord, with an encouragement to pray first as our first response rather than our last resort. Lord, we give you our heart. We give you our life. We want to spend time with you that you would give us what we need, the wisdom, the creativity, the energy, the love for people who are difficult, the staying power when we want to quit. Lord, would you give us what we need as we learn to pray in Jesus' name. Amen.